Hello and welcome back to the Variety Pod. Today I'm joined by Jack, also known as the Epiphany Coach. We talk about Jack's journey with mindfulness and coaching. We also touch on meditation, discipline, building healthy habits and a lot more. So stay tuned. Welcome and thank you for joining me. So introduce yourself please Jack. Okay, so my name is Jack, Jack Rhodes, and I have a brand which I launched just recently, well, about a year ago now, as the Epiphany Coach. And basically what I do, what I offer, is I'm a mind coach. I have my mind coaching practice based in Liverpool, and I enable others, just like yourself, to grow and transform and live a life free from blockages, whatever area that may be. And we'd work on that together in order to get you to be the best version of yourself. Amazing. So how did you get into life coaching or mindful coaching, mindfulness coaching? Yeah. How do I? Yeah. You can call it whatever you want. Call it coaching, life coaching, mind coaching, whatever. Um, it all has the same effect, really, just helping people ultimately become the best version of themselves. How I got into it, Verity, is, well, do you know when people say you're always on a path? Mm-hmm. So I've always known I was on a path from a very young age, but didn't kind of know what that path was if that makes sense but I've always known like so what's the what, do you know like um knowing there's something greater than yourself so like an existentialism like why am I here what's the mm-hmm. point in what's the point in life kind of those questions were instilled in me from young yeah very young and I think well it probably is because when I was four so this isn't a sob story by any means but when I was four my dad died my biological father so it was a big mm-hmm. tragedy for the family but for myself, it was more, I was only four, so I didn't understand it. But I've seen the after effects, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But fast forward, my mum is remarried. I've got a dad. I call him dad now. So it's all sunshine and rainbows. And I've got a little brother and sister. But that kind of transition in my life, that event, which for some, for me, older brother and sister and my mum, it was, of course, trauma. Like that is a traumatic experience. And my wider family. But for myself, that was more of a, growing up knowing life is finite like seize the day mm-hmm. I've always just kind of because I didn't I didn't really have a relationship with my biological dad I've got like three or four memories but what I've gained from that the lessons I've gained is like just go for it just don't sweat the small stuff just make the most out of life because one day you might not be here yeah so that has always been putting me well make the most out of life but like then that applied I didn't have the kind of trauma of I've lost a parent. It was more the trauma of you've got to make the most out of life because you, you might die young, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Not that I've never been scared of dying young, but more of a, right, smash life's head in. Like, get the most out of life, smash your goals, decide where you want to go and get there. And then through through growing up, I don't know whether, I don't know whether it's the same for yourself, but through growing up, I was more of a go with the crowd, but not like, I'd never try to fit in, but just, Okay, I was easily led, if that makes sense. If my mates okay. were doing something, I'd do it. Not, not too bad, but just like, oh yeah, I'll just do what everyone else is doing. And then through that, I've just ended up going to sixth form, going to uni, kind of. Never actually, t- like some of my mates at like 15 said, by the time I'm 25, I'll be a fully qualified electrician and have a house. And I was like, yeah, 15. that was never in like your thought process at that age. Yeah. But was it for yourself? No, no, no. not at all. So for me, it was just like, I thought I was like, not 15, 16, GCSEs thinking, 
what I'm wasting my life. I don't know where I want to be. But like when you look back now, you just think that was, I wish I could tell me younger self, don't worry. You're like, everything's going to be all right. But at 15, 16, I put this immense pressure on myself to just perform and get somewhere I want to be. But I didn't know where I was going. So, yeah. I always, so how yeah. can you get there? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. So yeah. I always just, why was that? Was that similar for yourself? Was it? You know, this... um, kind of like you just feel like you should be doing things, but there's not a goal almost. And I always have this conversation with my friends, you know, like going to uni, if you wanted to be a doctor, you'd know exactly why you were going. You'd know exactly what you needed to do. I went to uni yeah. because I went to uni. And then when I came out of uni, I was like, hmm, now what? Because there wasn't a really like solid goal set. Yeah. And then you kind of just feel like you're dropped into the, into the world. Cause you're, oh, yeah, I'm way too hard on myself. So I'd be like, I need a job. I need, what am I going to do with my life? Like, yeah, I'm literally young, but yeah, as you were saying, yeah, carry on anyway. That's not what that was the same for me. It was like, I always knew like, okay, get the most out of life, make your mum proud. Make it, make it now dad proud, make all your family proud, make yourself proud. But I was always unfulfilled. I was always new. I'd done well in GCSEs, well in sixth form. Uh, well, well enough to get into uni in sixth form because <laughs> you discovered drinking. And then I smashed uni. I'd done very well in uni. Only in my third year, I pulled it back. But even still at the time when I was in uni, I was like, I know this is not what I'm here to do. But I always knew there was something, but I didn't know what it was. So that was like a frustration, like tension. And so if, what were we saying then? Oh yeah, in terms of, um, I've lost my train of thought. What we talk, What did I ask you? Is that the same for you, yeah? Is that the so, same for me, yeah. Yeah, so some of my friends, like hats off to them, they picked the job at 15, then they've now done what they said they were going to do 10 years ago. But when I was 15, I was like, oh my God, like they're smashing it. And they follow the path. So I always beat myself up for not being on that path. And then I don't know, I think it was, no, it was definitely in uni. In my third year, I discovered, no, on placement, I discovered goal setting. So I discovered, like, how to set a goal, how to achieve a goal, kind of development plans, things like that. And it was my first kind of taste of personal development. And at that point, so it would have been third year, but it was my, yeah, it would have been final year, but it was my third year. And then I went into fourth. I was on placement in, like, a, I won't say the name, but it was, like, a big retail company. Mm-hmm. And I was just drinking too much, was probably the most unfulfilled I've ever been. I was still happy. I wasn't depressed by no means, but I was very like, what am I doing with my life here? I don't even like this job. I don't like uni. I don't, was I in a relationship? Oh no, I did enjoy my relationship at the time. But I just don't know. I felt lost, for lack of a better phrase. And, but still knew, oh, you've got to do, you should be smashing this. You've got a job, even though I didn't want to do the job. And then I went back to uni, applied everything I'd learned about self-development in like me training in placement and then ended up pulling me degree back which was which was definitely gone for like it's maybe failing now i think it was a 2-2 but ended up pulling it back got a first by the skin of my teeth and that was when i realized like if i put my mind to something that i want to do i can actually achieve it and because just by deciding i want to get a first i was just kind of go drinking too much in uni going out all the time but I've always loved helping people. So I knew at that point, I was like, okay, I need to help myself be the best version of myself to be able to help other people. Mm-hmm. And that was what then, that was 2018. That set me off, was it? No, 2017. That set me off on a path of the self-development, like filling your own cup before you can help others. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to do the deep inner work of what are your values? 
what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what do you love, what are your hobbies, what are your passions, and kind of putting all my energy into where are you going in life? Because within like I was thinking I was in like the first quarter of my life, tw- oh, 20, I think it was. It's like you've got another three of these to go. Make sure make sure it's worthwhile and you don't feel like this when you're 70. Was yeah, was the big thing for me. So through that, done a lot of deep work, and I just realized this is where the name the Epiphany Coach come from. I was like, what do I want to do with my life? Just contemplating it for months. And then I had an epiphany and I was like, oh my God, I want to help people who feel like this. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no way. I want to help when people, not even just career or purpose, just people who feel like I need help in a certain area. I want to help them. And that's when I discovered, I didn't even, well, I didn't know about life coaching, like Tony Robbins, things like that, people like that. But I never kind of, knew that was a, a viable option because no one teaches you that in school, do they? Like, imagine no, yeah. if you said at 15, I want to be a life coach. I just, just think, my mates would just laugh at me. My teachers would laugh at me. Mm-hmm. That's but amazing. So that's you literally had a light bulb moment. Literally, yeah. And pff, honestly, I, that was one of the most defining moments in my life so far. When the name come to me, I was like, oh my God. And everything just makes sense. Everything aligned then, everything things things were flowing to me I was meeting people like I was saying earlier about Jacob who does our podcast like we were meeting people I was like so the synchronicities were insane like everything was just flowing to me people events circumstances opportunities and I, honestly I, could, I feel like for six months something was working through me that's how I genuinely feel yeah opportunity it's, it's so true isn't it everything falls into yeah. place when that one thing is just oh that's yeah. mad so you've felt those feelings and you've known when you're being yeah, guided. Very recently as well. Like very recently, I feel like just, yeah, I feel like everything I'm doing is what I need to be doing, if that makes sense. Whereas a lot of the time you can just feel like you're doing because you have to do yeah, and not because much is actually coming from it. Yeah. Crazy. hundred percent. And the, the trick to life or the key to life is finding that sweet spot between being and being and doing so have you ever heard of the flow state so the flow state is when you're in the zone when your skills are high and your talents are high but the challenge is high as well so like you're matched in that zone and it's just like the state you're meant to be in so like you know darren till the ufc fighter from liverpool okay and um, like he says when he's in that octagon when he's fighting that's his flow state. Like, he's not scared. He's not anxious. Like, that's when he's at his prime, at his peak. He doesn't have to think. He's just in the zone. That's his flow state. But that flow state can be anything for anyone. It's so personal to you. It's when you're the mix between doing and being is perfect. Even though you're doing something, you're fully present in it. You're not thinking about it. You don't have to, like, process how you're going to do things. A lot of people get it when they're running. They just get in a flow state and they're just running. Mm-hmm. You just that is the optimal state for any human being to, to be. Look into it, it's interesting stuff. It's like the, one of the cornerstones of positive psychology. Wow. Yeah, you're just in the zone. You can get it with anything. You can get it with like cleaning. Do you know if you're just fully in the moment and you listen to your tunes and Yeah, your head's not everywhere. Your head's just present and you're just doing what you're meant to be doing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we're human beings, sense. not human doings meant to just be that's so true so that's how you got into your kind of current career yeah 
I believe it felt like, whoa, I've found my calling. Now I've found why I'm here. And now I'm just starting on the path consciously. I think you're always on the path, but consciously, yeah. Yeah, because before it wasn't something you were aware of. Now it's yeah. something you're like, okay, I'm here. But I was I'm just sifting and shorting through. Right, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want these people type of people. I don't want these this type of job. I don't want these type of experiences, this type of situation. And eventually now, you're still always figuring that out. But I say to all my clients, it is so much more important to know what you don't want than what you do want. Because there's only a select yeah. amount of things you do want. So you're going to But come there's across. loads of things you know that you don't want. Yeah. yeah when you're what would I say coaching your clients Mm -hmm. I'm sure a big part of what you focus on is mindfulness so prior to you discovering that you wanted to be your best self to help others yeah waking up for lack of a better phrase waking up as it were yeah Yeah. so (laughs) how would you consider yourself like how did you how did you notice shifts in yourself when it came to mindfulness, if that makes sense? Like, did oh, you okay. notice like oh. me six months ago would have dealt with this like this, or I would have been feeling like this about this, whereas now I'm not. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. So I read a book called the Celestine prophecy. Have you ever read it? No. no. Yeah. Well, not yet. You haven't read not it yet. yet. Definitely read it. It's an amazing book. It's only quite short as well. And that book for me was all about, well, it is all about like being on a journey and following signs and meeting people. Like that was the first kind of understanding I'd ever had of like, not spirituality, but a path and synchronicities and just surrendering to the universe and just following the signs and see where you go. But I still at the time, I think I just thought, yeah, it's a load of, load of woo-woo, but I loved the story. Then I read The Power of Now. Have you read that book? Not yet. So the power. No, of is now. the power of now by um, how do I say his name? It's a blue book. You've definitely got the right. Person I've got the book say his on name, my yeah. bookshelf. Eckhart Tolle or something like that. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, I have the book on my shelf. And to be honest, when I opened it like years ago, I just couldn't get into it. But it's definitely something I need to retry because I also am a big believer in things don't resonate with you unless they're meant to resonate with you at that time. 100%. So yeah, 100%. anyway, carry on. So yeah. not yet on that one. Not yet, yeah. People say that about soulmates though and like relationships. People, there's a school of thought that you have a different soulmate for each level you are in life, how advanced you are. And you might outgrow someone because you're, you're more, you've developed yourself and you realise like you can outgrow situations, family members, relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's different. If if a book doesn't resonate with you, I've got books I've had for like two years and still haven't read. And I know one day I'll pick it up and it'll be the right time. Yeah, that's why I've just left it there. It's nicely filed on the shelf, yeah. waiting for the day. Yeah. But yeah, go on. You read that. So I read that probably around about the exact same time. And that hit me with, oh my God, the essence of this book is all we have is now. So we don't have what happened yesterday. We don't have 10 minutes from now. We don't have in between we don't have nothing just right now it's just a continuation of now you might tell stories about the past or think about the future but life's a continuation of the now if that makes sense Mm -hmm. always in the moment now and that was the first time I'd ever encountered not being present but awareness that life is in the now life is in the moment and I'd always told myself I lived in the moment and just enjoy things but I was wasn't wouldn't say I was riddled with anxiety, but it was a challenge, my anxiety. 
and that book kind of alleviated some of it for me because I realized it's like I am in control. I can choose where I focus my energy, my attention. So it was probably, I've never thought about it this way. That book was my first insight to mindfulness. And from then, I've been just on this path of exploring every avenue for mindfulness. And my sister, she was a vegan in like 2010, you know, maybe 2000, like way before it was trendy. Mm-hmm. And we all used to think like she's lost the plot, <laughs> meditation, crystals, all things like that. And so I got into meditation about 16, probably 17 through here. And then I've kind of, everything just spiraled from there. Then well, not spiraled. What's a positive way of saying that? Everything's escalated from there. Mm-hmm. From going within, realizing that you don't need, I've never been materialistic really. I've never chased money, but I've always thought, one thing I've always done throughout my life, and I've noticed this, was call on other people for a good time. So like any point in my life, if I ever had a spare 20 minutes, I'd ring my mate and be like, oh, do you want to go down here? Or I'll get on your free and tell them something. And I noticed in myself early on, I was like, do I depend on other people for emotional support? And I kind of put that in check, reflected, and it's not, I'm just sociable. I just like other people. And people mm-hmm. have always come to me for like advice, guidance, so... I've always kind of attracted people and I've always kind of attracted, I've I've had a natural healing ability. I've always had people come to me and just tell me the troubles or tell me, ask me for advice. People who don't even know me, like way before I was the epiphany coach, I've had people message me on Insta like, I mean, I remember speaking to you about this a while ago at a party and just tell me something like quite huge. And that always made me realize oh like people trust me they're like oh no I can trust you it's like how do you know you don't really know me but I must just have that kind of thing about me and so through doing the inner work through meditation mainly I come to reflect on okay this is your path and then that was like you say the light bulb moment yeah so did that answer your question (laughs) yeah 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 pretty much what would you say like the best thing about your job is just seeing other people grow and develop and I've had I've had clients after one session like message me like oh my god like this is the best thing I've ever done and there's a client I work with now currently she was referred to me by somebody and so she come to me because she said she felt very low at the time when she come to me and she kind of she said she's felt low a few times but she knew she, she needed to reach out within two sessions within one session she was feeling amazing within two sessions she wanted to focus on other stuff than what was her current reality she would start to focus on goals and planning forward and stuff and she um she said to me like about probably about three weeks ago she was like this is the best i've ever felt she was like i just didn't want to feel that low but now i feel better than i have ever felt and that i ever thought i could feel and i know that personally because i felt better than I continually feel better each and every day than I thought yeah. I ever could feel. Yeah, you, it's not just, okay, this is what it feels like to feel good. It's you exceed that level of feeling good. Yeah, and you just keep finding... I've always been anything for a good time, anything to make me feel good, anything whatsoever. And, like, watching something, going out there, going for a run, just things that make you feel good. And then I realised that is within you. You don't need external sources to feel good. You can feel good within yourself. That's my favourite thing is when people have those epiphany moments of I am in control here my happiness is my own choice 
Yeah, it's and, not what happens around me. It's not my environment. Yeah. It's not X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that's true. That must be rewarding for you. It is so, so rewarding. And that's the essence of positive psychology. So I'm going back to uni, even though, did we talk about uni on the podcast or just before we started recording? I don't even know, you know. No, I did. I told, yeah, because I said how I got into it. Yeah. So even though I didn't really enjoy uni, I'd done very well. Ended up with the first, but I didn't, I didn't love the day in, day out. Now I'm going back to do my master's in September in positive psychology and well-being. And Amazing. I know every day I'm going to love go. I'm going to love studying. I'm going to love turning up to uni if we can. And God willing. God willing, yeah. <laughs> so me, the essence of what I was trying to get to there, sorry, Verity, was knowing that the happiness is within. So if I can help clients, clients come to me with goals and I can help them reach them goals and they'll feel amazing. But I would be doing my clients a disservice if I didn't um, coach them through being happy first and activating that source of well-being, which is within all of us, mm-hmm. and then still achieving your goals and feeling even amazing when you get there. Yeah, for sure. So do you feel like just touching on the uni thing? Because you studied business, yeah? Business, yeah. Yeah, and I did business management. And I mean, I found it so dull. I don't know about you. I, How general? How general are those degrees? Yeah, I feel like business is something that I've always, it's, I'm, I'd class myself as quite a logical person. So I've always found business quite, an, not an easy subject, but for me, it's common sense. Yeah. If that makes sense. Clearly of it's course. not for, like that's why it's a degree because it's not the same way for everyone. But for me, I've always Thank just found there. July. Okay. Yeah. I don't know much about your star sign, um, but the certain star signs that are natural entrepreneurs. Have you looked into your star sign much or your natal chart? Yeah. And also my um, birth numbers. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Yeah. My birth numbers really interesting. Um, I'm the okay. same as you as well. I'd, I'd say people like my friends tend to come to me for advice and yeah I've got a fair bit of lived experience for my age and I feel like yeah I just try to channel that into that's because I'm a wise owl not because it's just you a cancer yeah my mum's the same yeah oh okay yeah I'm super like emotional as well yeah that's that's not that's my mum is like all her family all of us everyone she's just a pillar of support yeah uh, well I don't know I don't know if I could call myself that but yeah. yeah I definitely think yeah so birth numbers really interesting because that was my birth numbers all about um wisdom okay, and like yeah. serving your higher purpose and mm-hmm. it's very interesting um okay. so I'm working through that but yeah I don't know about you but I just found with business it just didn't it was something that I could do and it was it, it was easy it kind of made sense business is actually yeah. one of the suggested like industries for my birth number as well which is so funny isn't that crazy um that leads back to like we were saying at the start like always not whether it's written you do have a choice we have a freedom to choose and based on our desires where we want to go yeah there is natural abilities we have natural gifts we have that i think when you when you decide you want to save other people as you do yourself put your platform as i do as a lot of people do is they want to live their life to better save other people there's no better feeling than that because you get to do what you love and it impact other people in, a, in the most positive way for me it's 100 percent. no 100 percent. and I feel like with yeah with the degree I feel like I, I went to uni and I was the same as you I didn't love it you know I wasn't like 
oh my gosh, I can't wait to go in today. To be honest, I didn't go yeah. in that much. I really Same. didn't. <laughs> um, but then I feel like when you're saying you're going now to do this master's, which is something directly related to your career, which you love, and it's something that you know is going to fulfill your set, like fulfill you and also others, is like yeah. you're going to have such a different experience in uni. 100%. Doing that. And that's so exciting. Yeah. Well, one of my mates said he was like, well, I sent him the screenshot of the master's like um, offer. And he's like, oh, I'd love to be back in uni. It was a laugh, wasn't it? And I was like, I think this will be a bit different this time around. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't think it'll just be like the one day a week. But it'll still be, I equally enjoyed that time in uni. Yeah, same. Like 18, 19. But for different reasons. But for different reasons, yeah. Yeah, you know, when you're younger and you think, oh, if I had my calling, like if I knew I wanted to be a doctor, I yeah. like not a doctor because that's really I always normal. envied those people. Always. Yeah, but then look, you're that person now. It's just a little bit later on. It's like exactly. so interesting. Yeah, exactly. And that's, there's no rush. There's no timeline for life. There's no you can find what you want to do at fifty, and still live so true. Just as a happy, fulfilled life, and it's not even just what you want to spend your life doing, like for work. It's how do you want to spend your life? How do you spend your time, your energy? Who are you around? What are your activities? Just having a balanced life doing the things you want to do and you enjoy doing, whether that's work or hobbies or relationships. Like we're here for like a second, a blip in time. So it's there to be enjoyed. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there can be a lot of pressure with work because when you don't know exactly what you want to do, Mm -hmm. life doesn't wait for you on that. Like your bills still need to be paid. Things, Things are still moving. So I feel like for me, a way of like, focusing my mind is work pays you put in the work to pay for the other things in this current moment that I want to do with the goal that one day the funds will be coming from what I love does that make sense because I think it can be hard if you're if you haven't found that thing to I don't know you can just go to work for my job I just feel like I go to work and I leave I don't bring anything out of work with me it's very much nine to five Dolly Parton and that's something I know I don't want forever but it's it's learning that just because you're not in not where you want to be in that place doesn't mean that other areas of your life can't still be where they need to be a hundred percent and it's about what you focus on so it's about what are you grateful for like if you're in this job like so one of my mates wants to launch his own music event and he's been dying to do it for years and He'll beat himself up about his day job. Well, not beat himself up, but like, oh, it's stressing me out. And I say to him constantly, is it forever or for now? And he goes, oh, yeah. it's just, just for now. And well, there you go, enjoy it, because you know it's just for now. And in a few years, you'll look back and go, wish I was still in that job. Sometimes, you know, it's... I done it today. I texted an old mate from, we used to work in like Enterprise, a car rental company. I'm not speaking bad of it, but I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. But I made some great mates and I had a laugh most days, but it was, it was very... Um, that's the word. I don't want to use stressful. It was very high pressure and it was very long hours and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the turnover is very high. But we like speaking to my mates I've made, they're like, I oh, remember that time we had to go, we had to drive miles away, like three hours away to pick a car up in Morecambe or whatever. And we both enjoyed those times. Whereas at the time we were both like, oh, I can't wait to get a new job. But now we look back yeah. and remember the positives. And yeah. it's all about being in the moment, being grateful for what where you are, but knowing oh, I'm going to be there eventually and manifest. 100%. And that's so, it's so almost humbling because I'm the same. I worked uh, in a pub in uni. Yeah. 
And at the time, everyone would be getting on my nerves. But I used to love it. I used to absolutely love it. But it was stressful. Yeah. yeah, high pressure, like you're saying. And I used to be, like, tired, you know, like, actual fatigue when I left yeah. that place. But same, literally some of my best times throughout my period of university were when I was at work. Exactly. And like same, I look back and, yeah, at the time I wasn't as grateful as I probably am looking back, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. But that's also come with my journey of gratitude. I think gratitude's madly important. It's the key. It's the, it's the foundations of everything, gratitude. Yeah. Because if I had the gratitude practice I have now in those situations, I've always been like never, I've always been innately positive. I've had a moan here and there, we all do. But I think if I had the practice I have now for gratitude in those situations... I would have got a hundred times more out of them. Even though looking back, I love them at the time. I bet you I could take away tenfold the positives that I've got yeah, today. I agree. It's crazy. It is big gratitude. It's the essence of what you stare at stares back and where you focus your energy, you see more of thoughts become things. Yeah, definitely. And I also think it's important with what you're talking about in terms of being in the present, because it's like being the grateful for everything in your now, even the things that aren't necessarily always positive yeah. that's nothing I really try to just take the like be grateful for I don't want to say negative parts of life because I don't think they're negative I think like we're saying the they're, lessons. What, they're what yeah the lessons at the end of the day yeah. can be negative but even when they are negative it's taking taking it for what it is and thinking right why is this here and what am I going to do with it not yeah. letting it get you down exactly if you switch from why is this happening to me to what is this teaching me your whole perception of reality changes so mm -hmm. when we're in that lack and the victim mentality of why is this happening to me you get caught up as though you're the center of the universe and everything's happening to you but when you feel like you're a part of the universe at wide as a whole and things are teaching you rather than happening to you i feel like i've been blessed in a way that i've been brought up not like I said at the start, like a traumatic incident happened. So that's kind of shifted everyone's perception of my family. And I've just been gifted all the positives from it. So mm. they've been put on to me of just, we've always been loving and close-knit and stuff like that. But the openness and the, for lack of a better phrase, although it is quite toxically positive, it could, could be worse. Like that was kind of what I was brought up on is if you've lost your job or if you're having an argument with your mates, like, we, we were all very much aware as kids, like, well, something worse could always be around the corner. Look at what we've been through. So yeah. even though that is quite a toxic positive, it could always be worse. It's always given me this grateful mindset of be grateful for what you've got because other things have happened. If that makes sense. Other, yeah. It, it's, it's not a kind of, it's not a competition, but I always just, me, my base point as a child was, okay, I might have just, had an argument with me with me mate or a girlfriend but it could be worse I'm still alive because I've always had that I've switched that as I've now become older into being grateful for what you do have yeah yeah I get you rather yeah. than comparing it right at least I at least I'm here yeah it's more just yeah. it's be, more grateful be grateful for it yeah because it's the essence of who we are is well-being like that is our natural state so I don't know if you've ever been anxious or if you, you've felt a negative emotion so like if you've ever been fearful or of course yeah. you have or ever suffered with it when we feel negative like anxiety we feel a bit down we feel low depression we always question why do i feel this way like why do i feel this way but when we feel their moments of bliss and well-being and pure joy we never question oh well, why do i feel this way we just accept that state for what it is 
Now, mm-hmm. that suggests, or that, that is the reason why, the reason we feel that way is because well-being is our natural state. That is the state we're optimal in. That is, our, that is what we were put on this planet to feel, is pure joy. Mm-hmm. And it's only when we're out of line with this stream of well-being and joy, that's when we start to question, well, why do I feel this way? Because it's not natural to feel unfulfilled or to feel anything less than joy. Now, the resistance is what the resistance is what's in the way of us feeling that way. If you think of a stream, so water will flow freely through a stream. And then have you ever seen like a little tiny stream or river where there's like quite a boulder in the middle and mm-hmm. water goes around it? That's the same with well-being. If there's a blockage, the, the flow of well-being, which is innately coming to you, will have to divert around that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, did yeah. you just see the and, clogs turning in my head? <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. But when we think of, if you look at babies, or babies, perfect example, a baby will not cry when they're, ha- when they're fulfilled. The, the only reason a baby will cry is to warn you something's not right here. Yeah. And that's anxiety, sadness, depression, fear, uncertainty, because or doubt, even doubt, because there's a bit of resistance there. But like you were saying earlier, touching on things are coming your way and you feel like you're meeting people and places and everything you're touching turns to gold. That's the stream of well-being coming to you because you feel you're in a place of joy and you're in a place of bliss. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 100%. But that's even then, like, yeah, that's our natural... Yeah, and then I would also say when things then do become that boulder, yeah. as it were, talking about the river or the stream, especially with... I can only speak for myself, but I don't know, uncovering some shadows or whatever, then that can make you feel like that even when everything is flowing. Does that make sense? So even when things are great and things that aren't so great still happen, it can still give you those. What I'm saying is there's never a time where I don't want to say, oh yeah, I'm just going to say it how I would say it. There's never a time where bad things are going to stop happening. Basically like shit happens all the time, but it's how you adjust yourself and your response to that to those Mm -hmm. things so your life could be on the absolute up and up and up and something could come and just be that boulder it's how you then navigate yourself around that boulder 100 percent. there's an interesting book in fact it's an amazing book called man's search for meaning by victor frankel and he was a psychiatrist who ended up in a few death camps during world war ii so he ended up he survived them but he ended up in Auschwitz, he went to Dachau, he went to a few others. And it, he tells, there's loads of Holocaust books about the experience and everything that's going on. The, the reason, I think it's like a 200 million bestseller, this book, is because it's only short as well. The reason it's such a bestseller is because he comes at it from an angle of positive psychology of, even in those moments, he realised that, the, the, um, the prisoners who were helping others, giving them a last bit of bread or patching up the leg or preventing them from dying. Because moment by moment, there was the risk of death. Like if you've done something wrong, you'd get shot. There was, they were teetering on the edge of death every moment. And in that, he's, his, the essence of, what, of that book is there is, even in the hellish situation of being in, a, being in a concentration camp, he had a choice and others around him still had a choice to be happy and have fun even in those seemingly from the outside world and to people in their hellish situations it was their choice whether they were happy about it or had a laugh and a joke and how they perceive situations and ultimately he says 
from the from an event and your reaction or your response there's a there's a space and it's within that space that we choose that's the essence of his book and that to me says that if he can if he as a human being in a concentration camp one of what we can think in history's most hellish situations in recent history if he can still choose to look on that experience positively every human being has that capability no matter what the the situation or the stimulus is from the outside world definitely that's where it kind of comes into the state of mindset and that gap you're talking about that gives you that time to decide how you're going to process what's happening it's so brief it's not something that you're consciously thinking of yeah it's something that you have to it's kind of a way you it's it's like a state you have to be in it's like if you're having a stressful day and something happens yeah even me who I'd say I, I actively try and be yeah I actively try and be mindful of myself and my responses to things but yeah. say I've had a really highly strung day and I'm just on the edge and someone just said it takes a lot more to like bring yourself to calm than on a day when maybe you haven't had a stressful day of course and it's everyone has them situations where on a good day when things are when things are flowing little things won't bother you as much but mm-hmm. On a stressful day, a little thing might be the biggest thing in the world. And it's all about your state, the state you're in. And that space is where we have the opportunity. Through mindfulness meditation, whatever practice, that space, it can be a split second, is when we choose to respond rather than react to any situation. And human beings, 95% of the day, we operate on a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. So 95% of our thoughts throughout the day, uh, auto, autopilot, just going throughout the day. And the same for responses. How we change that is through practice, through reprogramming, through mindfulness. But 95% of your responses are on autopilot. And it's about catching yourself, bringing your awareness to it. Not beating yourself up, showing some compassion. Like, okay, I shouldn't have reacted like that, or I shouldn't have felt like that, or I shouldn't have thought those things or I wish I didn't, and then next time, just working on yourself, and the work's never done. That's always, it, the work is never done. As soon as you think you're sorted, at the minute you think, I've got it, I've got a box, the ego starts talking, you know what, I've got this whole game sussed, something will come your way, and you'll realise, oh no, yeah. It's so true, the ego <laughs> is a mad thing, that is very, very true. 100%. That's why it's so important to be humble, because, yeah, if you, it's that if you get too big for your boots, something will come to knock you back down, pretty much. 100%. And the ego is not a bad thing. It's there to protect you. It's who we are. It's what we think of ourselves, our life, our, our reality. It's our character, essentially. And it's a good, it's a positive thing. Mm-hmm. But when, in terms of mindfulness, when you think, oh, yeah, I've, I, I'm, I don't know, I'm enlightened or I, I'm, I'm dead chill. I never react negatively. I can guarantee it. Whack straight away, something will come your way and you'll think, oh, got a bit of work to do. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's where the fun is. Yeah, no, 100%. That is it as well. It does start to feel like, oh, okay. Like, especially if you're having a bad day and something happens and you know that you responded to that better than you would have a month prior because you've worked on it. You're like, okay, good. I did that. Let's keep it rolling. Like, let's see what else. Yeah, it's nice to acknowledge your growth. Definitely, it's important. 100%. You were talking about meditation. Um, I don't really meditate, but I know that you put this out to your followers and people wanted to know like the benefits of meditation so do you want to yeah so I'll start by asking how come you don't meditate when I say I don't meditate I mean I don't like sit and clear my mind 
yeah yeah I don't do like breath work meditation but I think that is partly because I do journal and I find like that is quite a healthy release for me and maybe I haven't got to the point where it's necessary but okay yeah so in terms of meditation then was the question that was on my story the benefits of a meditation practice benefits of it yeah. Yeah. yeah so what you was just saying there about journaling meditation the essence of meditation is to just be to do one thing fully in that moment and there's loads of buzzwords mindfulness meditation presence they're all essentially the same thing just being in that moment whether that's a formal meditation sat down focusing on your breath whether it's closing your eyes taking all the noises in whether that's journaling but being fully present even reading reading is a meditation cleaning is a meditation in terms of the formal practice of sitting legs crossed with your arms out of course it helps but meditation is simply just training the awareness of the mind so once the awareness is drifting off capture it and bring it back mm-hmm. and f- through the formal meditation practice let's say a breath focusing on your breath in and out you're never going to clear your mind you're never going to empty your thoughts it's not about that it's about training the awareness and not letting your thoughts control you so when your thoughts yeah. come in think of your thought as a cloud so when the thought comes in what observe it impartially no judgment attached and then watch it float away same with any sensations same with any situations the minute you apply judgment to any anything external that's when we'll hang on to it mm-hmm. but like clouds your thoughts will float away situations come and go the essence of life is this too shall pass when things are amazing just revel in them because they're not going to be this good forever and when things are quite low which for a lot of people right now i know they are it's everything is cyclical. Everything is impermanent. That's the fundamental law of nature. And we are nature. Nothing lasts forever. Nothing's permanent. So mm-hmm. this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. So the benefits yeah. of meditation is freedom. It's not judgment. This too shall pass. Good and bad. Regardless of what my emotions tell me. Or regardless mm-hmm. of what's external. Because the negatives will teach you something. And the positives are, are, are amazing. So my mum coined this phrase when we were kids I don't know whether she made it up but I'll say she did (laughs) everything in life is either a lesson or a blessing so it'll teach you something which in itself is positive or it's amazing and if you didn't get a lesson from it go back and reflect on it even more because you definitely have got a lesson from it yeah that's what we that's what we were told growing up so and that in itself is a positive then isn't it so it's all about perception perspectives we live on one planet one planet with seven billion different worlds what could be the worst thing in the world for me you could see that as an opportunity so true yeah okay this is a good one so another thing that was asked is how to change bad habits i.e using your phone too much i mean yeah. for me i think it's all about self-discipline mm-hmm. which is quite hard for me with my phone especially i find that my phone is always attached to my hand exhibit yeah. a so what well, let's talk about that changing bad habits human beings are creatures of habit like like i said earlier 95 percent of your day subconscious how you reprogram your subconscious is through habit if you don't if you can't like you were saying earlier you're trying to get on the decks Mm -hmm. if you can't if you can't dj right now that doesn't mean you never will be able to but you can through the habit through discipline become you can become the best dj in the world through a habit and it's all about discipline 
when you're past a certain age. When you're past not to seven, as kids, you can pick things up. You're just you're in a state of just absorbing information. After that, it becomes a bit harder to um, reprogram your mind. But through habits, that's how we do learn new things after the age of seven. But in terms of what's perceived as a bad habit, what I say to everyone, especially my clients, is if you're thinking of your mind as a garden, if you want to, if there's weeds in there that you want to take out, unless you put flowers in there that you want in the garden, those weeds will grow back. Whatever the negative habit is, you've got to fill that with a positive habit because otherwise that weed will slowly grow back. There's a great mindfulness um, meditation where if you just sit on your bed with your windows open, close your eyes, focus on your breath and just bring your awareness to your ears. I'll try this now. Close your eyes. And if anyone's listening, try this as well. Doesn't matter how comfortable you are. To just keep your eyes closed as still as possible. Just focus on your breath. Coming in through your nose. And out through your nose. And then what I want you to do is just listen to every single noise around you whether it's the buzz of the laptop whatever's going on outside but don't judge the noise don't try and attach a label to what it is just work around each different noise shifting your awareness from one noise to the next with no judgment. And if at any point a thought comes in, say in your head, just in your head, thinking and continue to focus on the noises. And then whenever you're ready, open your eyes. There yeah. you go. But that, in the moment, you don't need to sit cross-legged, inhaling for five, exhaling. There's a million and one ways to meditate. But as we're human beings, simply just being, picking up the noises. What is that a noise? That's a noise. Not attaching any labels. You're, just fu- you're fully in the moment. And that's where life is, in the now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You could do that anywhere as well. A wise man once said to me, do whatever works. There's no right or wrong answer. Just do what yeah. works. If journal and your meditation, journal. If sitting cross-legged for 45 minutes, saying om works, do that. Same running, running without headphones is pure meditation at a point because you're thinking, oh, I'm, I don't want to be doing this. But runners high is a thing as well. Mm-hmm. There's a million and one ways to just be in the moment. That's where life is. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Somebody wants to know how to not let nerves take over in tests, i.e. driving tests. Mine was cancelled this month, so. Oh, no way. I have done my test twice before. I just failed it. Um, It took me three times as well. All the best people passed third time. Okay, (laughs) that's what we're telling ourselves. That's fine. (laughs) I better pass on the third one then. Um, Yeah, I feel like driving tests are very, very nerve-wracking experiences what what advice would you give 
it would be again just apply and apply some sort of mindfulness to it. So any nerves, anxiety, worry, an amazing technique is rain. If you take an approach of rain, so firstly, R, recognize what am I actually feeling here? What are my thoughts? Okay, I think I, th I think I might fail. Okay, that's my thoughts. Pin that down. What are your emotions? Oh, well, I feel anxious. I feel nervous. I feel worked up. I feel worried. Get them recognition and awareness. Get that pinned down. Then with A, acknowledge. Okay, I feel this way. This is how I feel. And, and that's okay. That's okay to feel worried or apprehensive or nervous about the test. Then with the eye of rain, investigate that. So what can I do differently here? What is What can I do to eliminate these, to control the controllables, to bring this down? And if there's not much you can do about any situation, whether you're feeling anxious about something that you don't have any control of, there's your answer. But in terms of tests, the end of that would then be nature. So just know, okay, I'm going to be in it. I'm going to have to take this test eventually. But you've recognised what how you're feeling. You've acknowledged it. You've investigated it. Just go for a walk. Take a bath. Just kind of accept what accept for what it is. Accept you've put a plan in place, and just unwind fully. Nature them emotions because all emotions are valid whether they're perceived as positive or negative. Mm -hmm. the, the emotions are a shadow of a thought and they are, an emo your emotional guidance system is there to tell you uh, how to feel about an external stimulus or a thought. Yeah, and I think Definitely. as well, I don't know if this is something you'd recommend to people that you're um, like your clients, but for me, as a regular, regular, regular Jane, something that helps me is think of the worst case scenario and with your driving test the worst case scenario is that you're going to fail and if you do fail you do it again like it's yes. really not that much of a big deal 100% I always say there's a four-step process you can ask four questions for any anxious thought what is the probability of this event occurring out of 100 put a number on it right okay so it's probably I'm going to fail my test 50% chance whatever it is then, okay, is there anything I can do about it? Yes, yes, there is, or no. And if the answer there is no, then what can you do about it? They, they, the more you can break down any worrisome thought, the less power it has over you. 100%. The third question would be, what percentage, um, what are the action steps I can take to prevent this happening? And just start listing them down. And journal these down, actively get these on paper. Number four, what is the benefit to me of running through these thoughts over and over? And there may be a benefit. It, it, your emotions are guarding you, especially anxiety. It's there to protect you. It's there to warn you something's coming up. It'll be getting you prepared for the test, for the theory test, whatever it is in life. And if you actually break the thought down on those four levels, I can guarantee your anxiety will be alleviated about whatever the situation yeah. is. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So I love that ability. You've already, what's the worst case scenario? You're going to fail. Yeah. Yeah, that's just how I take life because really shit happens. We have to keep moving, don't we? <laughs> um, okay, so let's finish off and round up with your top three tips for a mindful week. Oh, okay. Whew. So it's Sunday night and I've just finished my weekly reflection in my journal. Yeah. What three tips have you got for me? 
for a mindful uh, week what do you do at the moment to plan for your week so for me personally i i do like i set intentions for my week so i reflect on my week mm-hmm. the week that's just gone it, like i try to do that every week and then set intentions for kind of how i want the next week to go um i also do like a to-do list with like the top things that need to get done on like a main list for the week and then i break it down into days um that's it really and then just make sure that my everything is clean on a sunday ready for a new week so you've touched on most of it there to be honest with you absolutely clean and make sure everything's clean fresh ready that helps cleaning your space clean body clean mind clean space clean life it's true like if you if you have a cluttered space going into the week I feel personally, and it's proven, if you have a cluttered space on a Sunday night, Monday morning, your week will feel cluttered. Mm-hmm. So that's absolutely, it just works. The next thing you've mentioned there was a to-do list. Mm-hmm. Now, do you ever write a to-be list? No. No. So a to-be list, like we touched on earlier, we're human beings, not doings. Wow, okay. A to-be list will change your week because there can be 101 things you want to do in the week you might only get five of them done. But the to-be list, they're your goals. The to-be list is a commitment. Now, commitments are moment by moment. Goals are eventually, oh yeah, that will get ticked off. To be something is to commit to yourself. So to be, like you said, set your intentions for the week. I intend to be present. I intend mm-hmm. to be calm. I intend to be kind. I intend to be whatever positive emotion you want to be throughout that week. Mm-hmm. Set the to-be list and reflect on that. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, that's kind of what I do with the intentions of like what I want to be in that week. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But setting it as a to-be list and then you can reflect on something. You know what? I would say throughout the week, put a percentage on it. I was 95% present or 80% present because we can spend all this time rushing to do through your to-do list. And I've seen on Insta, I can't even think it was this week, somebody said there will be things to do on your, there will be items on your to-do list the day you die. I was like, of course there will be, but they're never going to get done. Yeah, Obviously, that's true. Have goals. It's nice to have goals, and that life is about goal setting, of course. But ultimately, if you can be how you want to be first, when you achieve the goal, which will eventually become ticked off, like we said at the start, it just leveling up of oh my god, I keep feeling better and better. A hundred percent. Okay, yeah, to be list. Wow. Okay, that's coming with me into next week. <laughs> I love that. That'll okay, be it. Cool. That, that'll take it all off for a mile week and take some time to disconnect, especially in these times. Like you're saying, screen time. I had the craziest dream about a screen a few weeks ago. I just got sucked into the Mac screen in my dream. It was a boss dream. It was positive. It wasn't a nightmare. But I woke up and I thought, I need to stay off the laptop. <laughs> yeah, I'm dreaming about it now. That's a bit Yeah, scary. I'm getting sucked into it, which shows me like you're clearly spending too much time in this. But it, it's... It's a challenging time for a lot of people. I know that and can't seem like the worst thing in the world. But when we come out of this time, one thing I ask myself constantly and I tell my family and friends and clients even is if now is if now is a time where you could reflect on it in a few years and say, what will I wish I could have done in that time? Do that now. Ultimately, there will come a point, like we said, reflecting back. You loved your job in work. I You loved your job in the pub. I had moments in my job that I liked 
but didn't really appreciate them in the fullness at the time. There will mm-hmm. come a time when we as a collective look back on now what's going on and say, do you know what? That would have been a great time to do X, Y, and Z. And that's what we should be doing now instead of the screen time. <laughs> it's all about knowing your why and what you value. When you know what you value and why you're doing something, like why you should be meditating or why you're working out or why you are reading or why you're doing whatever it is you're doing, developing your podcast, your platform, whatever. When you know why you're doing it, motivation doesn't matter. You're just doing it because you know there's an end goal, even if it can't feel like a down day. And the more you do, the more motivated you feel because motivation doesn't just come. Motivation isn't something that's just going to keep appearing. Every time I do something, yeah. I feel more motivated. So it's just, if you just get up and do whatever it is, the motivation will slowly 100%. trickle through. Yeah. It's the cycle. People think action, people think they're going to sit on the couch and be motivated to go for a run. Yeah. It's action first. Every time I want to go for a run, there's a bit of me saying, just don't go for a run. Just leave it go tomorrow but once i've got my shoes on and i'm out the door i'm flying but the hardest part for me is putting my shoes on and getting out and that's that's a discipline the habit yeah for sure okay cool thank you so much for joining me no thank you very much for having me it's been a pleasure and thank you to anybody that's listened take care in these times and also what's your instagram yeah so you can find me on insta at the epiphany coach my website is the epiphanycoach.co.uk all my contact details will be on there as well and do one-to-one coaching and group sessions as well amazing